0: Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We closed last week's broadcast talking about praying together as a couple. The parents say that no amount of being religious can make up for the time couples spend in shared prayer. But if prayer is so good for a marriage, why don't more couples do it? Well, because it's not easy. Praying makes us vulnerable, and any time we let our guards down, even with our spouse, it can be threatening. And this is especially true for men. After all, our partner knows firsthand what we are really like. He or she sees us when no one else is watching. So how can I be completely candid before God with my partner listening in? How can I express my true hopes and fears, my pain, the sins that grip me? No wonder couples opt out of prayer. The price of its vulnerability seems too high. And many times couples fall into the trap of preaching through their prayers and subtly jabbing each other with their good intentions. There are many different ways to pray together. If you're just beginning, just pray a prayer of thanksgiving. That's all. Rather than trying to pray about your needs or difficulties, simply give thanks to God. Occasionally, you may want to say the Lord's Prayer together. And if silence doesn't bother you, just initiate a time of silent prayer together or a time of listening to God or maybe even a time of brief sentence prayers. You know, for several years, my wife and I closed out each day this way. We bought a couple's devotional book where the daily devotional wouldn't take more than about five minutes to read. One of us would read the devotional for that day and the other one would pray. The next night, we alternated who read and who prayed. And we found this to be a very meaningful thing for us. We've talked about how each of us has a different personality type. Well, it's important to understand how both you and your partner love God. In Gary Thomas's book, Sacred Pathways, he describes nine ways we tend to relate to God. Listen as I give you Gary's description for each of them. Rank the top two or three styles that fit you best. Then try to predict your partner's top pathways. I know you're trying to do this while listening to the radio it may be difficult, so if you would like to have this listening, just email your request to Pastor CloverdaleChurch.org, and I'll send them to you. Here they are so you can begin to even think about this whole concept. The Traditionalist They love God through rituals, sacraments, and symbols throughout the year. The visionary. They love God by dreaming a great dream to accomplish great things. The socialite. They love God best by around other people, confiding in them and being accountable to them. The intellectual. Seeks God with his or her mind by considering a new theological concept. The caregiver. They love God by being compassionate and loving others even if it means significant sacrifice. The activist. They are at war with injustice and love God by fighting it. The naturalist. They feel closest to God in the out of doors in the midst of creation. The worshiper. They are inspired by joyful celebration and music. Remember, how you and your partner show love to God in the most meaningful ways may be different for each of you. Well, before we continue with today's broadcast, I want to remind you once again of the Couples Conference I'm leading May 17th and 18th at Cloverdale Church of God. You can go to my website www.mutualunderstanding.net and click on the Couples Conference PDF to download the registration form. Fill that out and mail it with your $25 check to Cloverdale Church of God. You can read an overview of each session by clicking on the Learning Opportunities tab and then on the Learn More button under the Seminars listing. It's going to be a great time of fun and learning. Well, I want to shift gears now and introduce you to Dr. Willard F. Harley, Jr. In 1986, he published his signature book, His Needs, Her Needs, Building an Affair-Proof Marriage. This bestseller has been translated into 22 languages and has sold more than 3 million copies worldwide. Another of his works is titled "Love Busters," Protecting Your Marriage from Habits That Destroy Romantic Love. The emphasis of Dr. Harley's work is in helping couples identify their emotional needs and how these can be met within the marriage relationship. If you'd like a copy of Dr. Harley's Emotional Needs Questionnaire, again, you can simply mail me at Gary at CloverdaleChurch.org and I'll send you a copy. We're going to spend the next few weeks looking at Dr. Harley's work. Over the years as a counselor specializing in marital relationships, Dr. Harley has asked the following question. What could your spouse do for you that would make you the happiest? He collected the answers and classified most of the responses into ten emotional needs. Admiration, affection, conversation, domestic support, family commitment, financial support, honesty and openness physical attractiveness, recreational companionship, and sexual fulfillment. Obviously, the best way to keep a husband and wife happily married is for each of them to meet the needs that are most important to the other. Sounds easy, right? But it turns out that it's not. What Dr. Harley found was that nearly every time he asked couples to list their needs according to their priority, men listed them one way and women the opposite way. Of the 10 basic emotional needs, the five listed as most important by men were usually the five least important for women, and vice versa. No wonder husbands and wives have so much difficulty meeting each other's needs. They are willing to do for each other what they appreciate the most, but it turns out that their efforts are misdirected because what they appreciate most, their spouses appreciate least. Remember as we've said before, Every person is unique. While men on the average pick a particular five emotional needs as their most important, and women on the average pick another five, any individual can and does pick any combination of the basic ten. Remember, you aren't married to Mr. Average Man or Mrs. Average Woman. You're married to a very specific one. That's why it's very important that you and your spouse identify the combinations of needs that are unique to your marriage. By learning to understand yourself and your spouse as totally unique people with particular emotional needs, you can identify your needs and communicate them to each other. Dr. Harley's Emotional Needs Questionnaire will assist you in doing this. After each other's five most important emotional needs have been identified, The next step is to become an expert in meeting your spouse's needs. Now, that doesn't mean painfully gritting your teeth and making the best of something you hate. As Dr. Harley says, one spouse should never suffer to meet the emotional needs of the other. Instead, it means learning how to enjoy meeting emotional needs that are low on your list of priorities. And over the next several weeks, we're going to help you do just that. Dr. Harley says that when spouses fail to meet each other's most important emotional needs, they tend to choose the same pattern to satisfy their unmet needs, the extramarital affair. People wander into affairs with astonishing regularity, in spite of whatever strong moral or religious convictions they may hold. Why? When a spouse lacks fulfillment of any of the basic needs, it creates a thirst that must be quenched. If changes do not take place within the marriage to care for that need, the individual will face the powerful temptation to fill it outside of marriage. If we are to make our marriages affair-proof, we cannot hide our heads in the sand. The spouse who believes his or her partner is different, and despite unmet needs would never take part in an affair, may be in for a devastating shock some day. Instead, we need to understand the warning signs that an affair could happen, how such liaisons may begin, and how to strengthen the weak areas of a marriage in the face of such a relationship. Well, how do affairs usually start? An affair usually begins as a friendship. It may be someone from those you both consider your best friends, or it may be someone you have met at work, church, or a community function. Conversation draws you together. At first, you talk about various topics of interest, but over time, you begin to share personal problems with each other. As you spend time together, you discuss more intimate problems, and eventually, the problems you discuss reflect unmet emotional needs. As your friendship deepens, you start giving each other mutual support and encouragement, especially in regard to your unmet needs. Life is difficult. Many people become disillusioned about the way their lives are turning out. And when they find someone encouraging and supportive, the attraction toward that person acts as a powerful magnet. But the attraction is not logical. It's emotional. When you become involved in an affair, you and your lover seem to have an unconditional willingness to meet each other's emotional needs. You feel sure that no one else could ever be as exciting a partner as your new secret lover. As the intensity of your mutual care and passion increases, you discover that you are caught in a trap of your own making. You lose all sense of judgment as you literally become addicted to each other in a relationship built on fantasy, not reality. While most people would deny they could ever get involved in an affair, the hard truth is that under certain conditions, any of us can fall victim. It happens to very normal men and women. It happens through a very deceptively simple process. Remember, Satan works through deception. First, you let someone outside of marriage meet one of your most important emotional needs, say, intimate conversation. You may feel that there's no problem just talking to someone, especially if your own spouse doesn't seem interested in the problems you face. Next, you find this friend to be particularly concerned for your welfare and you begin to feel the same way toward your friend. The conversation turns to affection. From there, you begin to explain to each other what you need most in life, and you both express a desire to meet those needs for each other. You think you've found your soulmate. Well, our time's running out for today. We'll pick up here next week. Well, have a great weekend this week. God bless you. I look forward to our time together next week. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at dot org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.